0: Hello everyone, Vidigai is a breath of fresh air in the community of psychology. She embodies charm, intelligence, keenness and displays an unrivaled passion for her work. Although she is young, she didn't see it as an obstacle and in fact played into it and named her initiative the Young Psychologist. In no time she connected with the youth and garnered a wide following. The myriad of initiatives undertaken by her speak to her industry's work ethic and love for psychology. There can be no doubt that the dream she dreamt in her childhood of helping people and spreading awareness of psychological issues will continue to be realized as time marches on. So let's welcome the young psychologist Vidhi Gai to talk about adolescent crisis and coping mechanisms. Hi Vidhi, welcome to the podcast with MHP. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, So today we're doing the podcast on Adolescence Crisis and Coping Mechanism, which brought me to thinking that it is often said that adolescents are neither children nor adults, and uh, they don't have much to worry about. So their problems are nullified by most of the people. So what do you mean by Adolescence Crisis? So, before I talk about what adolescence crisis is, I would also like to tell you about my preference that adolescent is not the right word to use when we are referring to the age group of students from the age of 13 to 18 or 19, because the word adolescent carries a lot of stigma, such as adolescents are uh, aggressive or uh, they're not very good with their behaviors. So. I prefer using the term young adults. Why? Because it gives the idea that they are in the current stage where they are growing up to be adults. So adolescent crisis or young adult crisis is basically a dilemma that every person or most of the people from this age group experience as to who they are, what their identity is, who they want to be. And this time period is very stormy because it's like they have different expectations from different peoples. Their parents or their adults or their teachers expect something else out of them. Whereas their peer group, people from the same age group expect something else out of them. So it becomes a very problematic situation because they do not know which person to listen to or they don't have the right guidance. Sometimes they feel that they are not understood. So most of these problems, when they come together, it creates a lot of uh, mental imbalance for adolescents and this is how I would like to explain what young adult crisis is. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of coping mechanisms are used by them to deal with uh, maybe uh, the identity crisis they're having? So coping mechanisms are usually the strategies that are adopted by any individual to cope up with or come out of a situation, they can be of different types, either healthy coping mechanisms or unhealthy coping mechanisms. It is advised to stick to the healthy ones. But since young adults don't have the guidance all the time, they can often slip into using unhealthy coping mechanisms such as um, social media addiction or using substance, alcohol, drugs. And the problem is that they are very readily available in today's market. They can even get into violence. They can even get into unprotected sexual activities, and um, yeah, these are some of the unhealthy coping mechanisms that they can use. They think that it is helping them in the short run, but unfortunately, continued and prolonged use of these unhealthy coping mechanisms can lead to long-term problems in the future. Of course, I understand that we uh, As uh, small as a cigarette smoker, I think uh, when they take the nicotine in, they feel like that uh, the stress is being relieved, but in the long term, it's actually being increased. And then uh, smoking also brings a lot of problems, especially cancer, I think, right? Yes. What about other things? Like, uh, Do you think... uh, Why do you think, actually, they are getting into drugs so much? I have seen so many, so many young adults going into cocaine and MD and ecstasy pills and LSD. Why do you think that there is a mass mentality into going into drugs as a whole for young adults? There are several factors contributing to that, but the biggest one is media. You must have seen Netflix series such as Elite and One More, Class, It has just been recently released and these kind of series popularize taking drugs and substance. And as I said, that adolescents do not have the right guidance or the right person to look up to. They think that all this will make them accepted into the society. So for the need of getting famous or for the need of getting accepted into society, they think that these things are cool. And this is why they get drawn towards that. And drugs and substance have very reinforcing properties. It's like, if you take it once, you will enjoy it. And that very enjoyment is so strong that it will reinforce and it will make you take it once again. And slowly, slowly, this becomes a habit. So media can be one very important factor that leads to this. Another thing is peer pressure. You must have come across friends who say that, oh, just try it. It's just one time, nothing will happen. But that's when you know that you do not have to do this because, as I said, that just very one, you know, dose of the drug can lead to very high reinforcing properties and you may want to do it over and over again. Mm -hmm. But since uh, young adults do not have that kind of guidance, uh, they have adults around them. What kind of defense or maybe coping mechanisms are used by people around them, like their friends and their families? Coping mechanisms for? Uh, People around them. When they see the young adults getting into any sort of crisis, a mental health crisis, what coping mechanisms are being used by the friends and the families these days? To help them come out of it? Yes. Okay. So, um, there have been numerous activities and workshops conducted by teachers or in their schools where they're sensitized about such things, where their experiences are validated and where support contacts are also given. There are often school counselors and uh, social workers in every institute where adolescents can go and discuss their problems. So, this is one initiative taken by educational institutions. And at home, if we talk about what parents and grandparents do, I don't always expect positive coping mechanisms from them because um, not everybody is good at parenting. And uh, when our parents were adolescents, they were not given the right kind of guidance that they wanted. So it is very important for parents to know how to support their child in times of crisis. They should validate their experiences. And uh, instead of saying things like depression is nothing, substance abuse, addiction, is just a Western concept, they should try and understand where the child is coming from and what can be done. So empathetic listening is the first step that parents can do. Instead of judging the children or the problem that they're having, they should just listen to what they have to say for the first time. They should not judge to advice giving because parents have this nature. They want to help their child as soon as possible. They want to drag them out of the problem. But that isn't always possible because what if the child is not looking for advice? What if the child just wants to be heard? So hearing the child is the most important thing. And parents should really start considering mental health illnesses and mental health addictions and problems as an actual problem, an actual threat. Many times they're reluctant to taking their children to psychologists because they think that they have everything that it needs to help their child recover. But psychologists are professionals and they're trained for all this. So these are the, some of the steps that can be taken as healthy coping mechanisms from parents, grandparents, friends and teachers to ensure a healthy recovery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, I understand that uh, with the given guidance, misguidance during their childhood, uh, they must be adopting some unhealthy mechanisms as well. So, if they do not deal with it correctly, is it possible that adolescent crisis could develop into other psychological disorders? If so, what would they be? Yes, very much possible that um, if they are not given the guidance on the right time, if they keep using the substance, they are very much likely to slip into depression, any kind of mood disorder, bipolar disorder, substance abuse disorders, eating disorders. These are some of the disorders that can happen along with this. Psychotic symptoms can also happen because the drugs, as I mentioned, the hallucinogens, they... Mm -hmm. Increase the dopamine in your dopamine pathway, and that can lead to psychotic symptoms such as delusions and hallucinations. And uh, the name of the disorder that is likely to happen depends from case to case because it is actually an interplay of genetic factors and the environment. So, very much possible for psychological disorders to happen, but these are some of the common ones that can happen if prolonged use is done. And this is why rehabilitation is done. And there have been very high uh, cases of uh, bouncing back and de-addiction from um, the substance that they consume. Hmm. So, uh, you mentioned a couple of ways how to deal with this or how to address these kind of situations. What is the role of their friends and family in these situations? And how uh, should they address that stigma of not uh, opening up to a stranger. The role of uh, friends and family can be very important here because friends are people who know the person in a very good manner like they have a very strong contact between them and their influence on each other is very high because any adolescent is more likely to listen to what their friend is saying as compared to a stranger because why the rapport between the family or the friend is good and secondly they have very high influence on each other so they can use this influence in a positive manner. I don't expect peers to give the best advice because they, are, they must be suffering from the crisis at the same time. So this is where parents can step in. They should take the responsibility and they should have the talk with their child. They shouldn't wait for the time that, okay, we'll have the talk when our child is 15 years old. They should do it as soon as possible, even when they are 10 to 11 years old and have a very open conversation. It shouldn't be like the child is scared to go to their parent. To tell them if something has happened. It should be a very open, clear and transparent communication between both parent and the child. And as for uh, opening up to strangers, this usually happens when the child believes that there is no support available in their immediate surroundings like their home or their educational institute. So we need to make sure that this situation doesn't arise only. Even before this situation happens, we need to provide that kind of an environment in the immediate surroundings of the person. And again, we can sensitize them more about the kind of crimes that keep happening online and what happens if we share our personal details to strangers. So, I think if that awareness is there, then children can be more sensitized and they would be more careful in taking care of their privacy, mental health. And we're more aware of the kind of information that they have to share. Right, right. So, uh, of course, we have discussed about how different kind of generations are affecting uh, each other. And right now, it's the Gen Zs who are the young adults. And they would really love to have some kind of an advice from your end as to uh, what are the starting points where they have to uh, deal with these kind of crises, And even if they're not able to deal it at the starting point, where in the middle they should be, which, uh, you know, which path they should be taking and what are the big no's of dealing with any sort of crisis during their adolescence? So that is a good question. Since I am someone who has been through this, I have this understanding that crisis can be different for different people. Everybody has different thresholds. Everybody has different coping mechanisms. Everybody has different resources and different support system to come out of it. Some people have more of a crisis, whereas some have less of it. And even if someone who is in between of a crisis, it is never too late to bounce back. And even if you are somebody who's listening to this, and if you are going through something, please know that it gets better. And this is something that happens with everybody. So it is nothing unique. And the most important thing is to have faith on yourself and to know that this will get better because ultimately it does. And when you're out of it, you will have many things that you learned out of this experience. So having faith in yourself can be one of the things. And... um, The big nose that you were talking about, things that you shouldn't do, is stay away from drugs, alcohol, smoking, because once you start it, it becomes a habit, and then it ultimately turns into an addiction, and ending the addiction can be a difficult and taxing process. Secondly, every young adult should have someone with whom they can share their feelings, thoughts, and emotions openly without being judged it can be a friend it can be a teacher it can be a mentor it can be a parent it can be a grandparent anybody but just someone that they trust someone that they can hold on to so having such a person is important next some young adults can also start support groups where they can have people who have been through some kind of crisis and together they can form A safe space where everybody can come and share in their experiences, they can learn from each other's experiences and having a community always builds trust and validates the experience of the younger generations which are about to become young adults in the next few years. As interesting as this conversation is going, I'm afraid uh, it brings us to the end of the podcast. While we're ending this, I would want to ask you one last question. That is, a lot of young adults are uh, into social media and they keep posting that uh, friends are therapy, going to a dinner is a therapy, pampering myself in a salon is a therapy. What would be your views towards it? How would you actually like to address the problem that a therapist is a licensed professional who has studied so much, uh, ex- gained experience so much, you cannot just uh, turn it around like that? So I have come across stories and posts where people say that drinking tea is therapy, shopping is therapy. You're right about this, but I would like to rephrase this Drinking tea is not therapy. Rather, drinking tea is therapeutic. So helping the generation understand the difference between therapy and therapeutic is very important. Because therapeutic can be anything that helps you feel better or helps you rejuvenate or calm down. Whereas therapy is something which can happen only with a licensed professional which has years of experience. And therapy is actually a scientific way to empower the client or it uses a set of techniques which are reliable and valid and not everything can be therapy as you said that there are individuals posting all this on Instagram there are also individuals raising awareness Mm -hmm. about mental health who are actually you know busting the myths and psycho educating their audience as to what actually therapy is and um, keeping in touch with this, getting information online can be another good way to counter this very idea that doing XYZ is therapy, whereas it is not. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vidhi, for today taking out time for us and uh, educating us with so many new things. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you for calling me. And I really hope that these insights help somebody who is looking for, you know, support in times of crisis. And if you're someone, I really hope that you get better. And I am sure you will. I have full faith in you.